EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another EST episode. This is episode number 40. I'm real excited about today's podcast and the topic that we're going to be covering just because I, I kind of brought up the idea of vision. When should you cast a vision? How often should you do that? Should you take a whole Sunday and just, I don't know, do vision casting instead of preaching? And, and does that make you feel bad? I don't know. And so I, I've been wrestling a lot with this. And so when Mike and Sam, who are not on this week's episode, kind of turned it over to me. I got a couple of friends together and we're just going to kind of sit down, have some coffee together and talk about vision casting. So glad that you're a part of this conversation. Hope that you will join the conversation on Twitter at EST Church. That's the that's the place to kind of chime in. Give us your thoughts on this. We've heard a lot of people um, talking about that. One such person who is following us on Twitter is David Taylor. David is um, in Columbia, South Carolina. You can follow him on Twitter at David Lynn. Taylor, L-E-N, right there in the middle of his David Taylor, and follow him. We appreciate him following us on EST, and uh, glad that you guys are listening as well. Today, my co-hosts are just a couple of friends of mine that are also pastors. We're going to be talking about vision casting. First off is Andrew Abear. He was on the show last week on show several weeks ago. Glad to have him back. Andrew, how are you today? Doing great, Josh. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, thanks again for jumping on here. You're my go-to guy. Appreciate you, and um, always love having you around. Another one who's new to the show, not new to me, a good friend of mine. His name is Josh Ermler. He's a pastor up in Fresno, California. Josh, how are you? I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm so glad that you are on the show today. Um, Listeners who listened last week and maybe a couple of episodes ago heard about Andrew, Andrew's pastor at Paramount. Josh, they do not know you yet. Tell us about you know where you're at, what's the name of your church, and kind of how long you've been there. Uh, I pastor the Ambassador Baptist Church in Fresno, California. So we are right smack dab in the middle of the state between San Francisco, Los Angeles. And uh, I uh, was voted into the church. Uh, this has been about 10 years ago now uh, by about 40 folks. And so we know just going through all the all the fun of of transitioning a congregation so uh, it's been it's been a it's been a fun ride wow that's exceptional to be a pastor for 10 years at the same church josh how old are you i am 36 and so that's really cool but i like your church name that's cool ambassador baptist church i like it yeah interesting note on the name Uh, when it was founded the, the founding pastor wanted to be the first church name in the phone book and so he tried to come up with a name that started with A, and so he went through his Bible until he came up with one, and, and that's how the church got its name a little bit. So, uh, uh, of course, now nobody uses a phone book anymore, and so it doesn't really, uh, wow. doesn't really work there's, quite the same way. There's just but, all sorts of greatness yeah. to that story. The, yeah. the funny thing is how many people will, will argue with you that God named that church if you try to name it, if you try to change yeah. the name, <laughs> because of a phone book. Exactly. Uh, that's so that's, awesome. Yeah, exactly. 
so guys, we're talking about vision here. I think it's important. I'm just recently coming to this conclusion that's important to be real honest with you. I think Andrew, you and I have had conversations before about this. I'm like, the Great Commission. Why don't you just stick that on the wall? That's what we're supposed to be doing, right? I mean, so vision. Um, let me just start. You know, a little bit lighthearted here. Do you guys have a vision statement or anything at your church? Okay, if you don't, but do you? What's yours? Uh, just kind of spit that out for me, Andrew. You can start. We do. In fact, it's a new vision statement. I'm I'm new at Paramount. I've only been there about nine months. And so I think the church was ready for a, a, a sense of clarified direction. And I think vision, I'm for the Great Commission being the vision. I, I think a vision statement is how you do the Great Commission in your particular context, what that looks like. And so mm-hmm. our vision statement is this. Our vision is to be a diverse church united to make disciples. And our strategy, how we accomplish that, is we do that by treasuring Jesus in our homes, sharing Jesus with our neighbors, showing compassion in our city, and sending disciple makers around the world. Mm. Mm. He's got great imagery for that, too. I've seen it in a very cool video. Um, so it's one of the coolest church videos I've seen. Josh, do you guys have a vision statement or something like that? Yeah, we kind of break ours up into two parts. Uh, the beginning kind of gets to the heart of what we're about, and then we kind of add on some language at the end that just tries to keep it memorable. And so uh, ours that we'll use on a regular basis, it's it's our vision to glorify Christ by seeing God's Word change lives. So that's kind of the core of it. But then we continue on in such an incredible way that 100 years from now, uh, no honest history could be written of our city without mentioning the impact of our church upon the city of Fresno. Wow. Wow, that's big. I'm going to change mine. I like that. <laughs> I like his way better than both of ours, Andrew. So I'm changing. <laughs> that was awesome. It was good. That was a good, succinct one. I think people, I really do think a lot of our listeners are going to rewind and write that down and be like, church, listen. I also have an idea on how we can get first in the phone book. So <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that's going to help. So ours at Saxe's church is to, um, we are simple relational church. That's our vision. And um, we do that with a deep intentional commitment to Christ's community and compassion. So it all goes together, simple relational church with a deep intentional commitment to Christ's community and compassion. That's our mission and our method, something that I've had ever since I've gotten here. But um, to be quite honest with you, just the last month or so when I was on sabbatical, I actually learned how to use it. And um, so we're kind of applying it. It's, It's fun. It's a great thing here. So. I've got a number of questions I would love to hear from you guys because I'm learning this as well. I don't really know how you do this. Josh, what do you think, and maybe this is the first time you've ever thought about this, mm-hmm. should a pastor take a Sunday and don't preach the Bible but preach their vision? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it feels a little bit weird. You're not saying turn to Romans. Yeah. You're saying, hey, look up on the wall. Is that is that good or bad? Or you know, What do you think about that? <laughs> I don't. I, it might be a false dichotomy, right? Like that we have to choose between no. preaching the Bible and you know giving uh, a vision statement or whatnot. So I, I can speak from our experience. Um, I, I like to do kind of two services a year. Every every August we do kind of a state of the church, and primarily at the state of the church we tend to look backwards and just kind of praise God for everything He has done. And then in January, we like to do a, a vision, you know, Sunday that's primarily focused on looking forward. And uh, at that particular service, um, we'll take kind of a big concept that we want to see driven deeper into the culture of our church. And we'll we'll talk about it. We'll put some practical strategy around it. And so that's kind of how it's functionally played out for us over the years here in Fresno. 
So twice a year you just ignore God's word and you just yeah. kind of talk about what <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, pretty much, I, right? I love did you catch this, Andrew? So like August they look back, January they look forward. So he's got like three months in there where he can do whatever he wants. Like nobody's <laughs> paying attention. No doubt. Nobody's even gonna no mention doubt. it again. For us, and I don't know what your guys' ministry cycle's like, but we find that, you know, everything kind of ramps up in August as people are getting back to school. And then it goes strong even through Christmas, you know, New Year's. And then somewhere around like, you know, Easter, then Mother's Day. And it just seems like everything just kind of winds down. And mm-hmm. so that's how we built our calendar is around that uh, that rhythm. And so we don't actually do a whole lot for those couple of months between Mother's Day um, and August. And that's just kind of our time to regroup and, and do some, you know, leadership training and stuff as we kind of gear up for the next ministry cycle. So that's why those two times kind of fit in our ministry rhythms. Andrew, do you think it's a false dichotomy? Do you think I'm worried about nothing there? It, 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 it could be a false dichotomy. Although I think there are sometimes there are guys who are really they are substituting their vision for scripture, but I mm. find that those are the same people who probably aren't preaching the Bible on a regular basis anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're committed to scripture, if you're committed to biblical preaching, expositional preaching, then even on a vision Sunday, you're going to want to ground everything you're saying in the text. And I would hope that any vision statement would be a clarif- you know, maybe a summary of what of, of what the scripture calls us to be and do as a church. That's what I hope our vision statement is. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a biblical purpose for the church, the biblical purpose for the church is to make disciples. And so that's at the heart of our vision statement. And everything, every piece of our vision statement is grounded in scripture and I think is actually an application of the Great Commission. So like on the Sunday that I cast the vision, I, I, that's where I started. I started with Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And then I, I use that as a framework to talk about okay, how are we going to flesh this out? So I think the vision is really an application of that, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. And, yeah. and Josh, I know you well enough to know that you're committed to preaching the Bible every week. So I know that you're not going to give that up in order mm-hmm. to have a vision Sunday. No. And you know, another thought, I don't know what you guys think about this, but somebody messaged me, um, maybe it was our mutual friend, Andrew Michael, um, talked about like, they don't necessarily do we're just assuming here that you're going to do this during the large group worship time. They do it during the small group, the Sunday school hour, kind of get everybody together, mm-hmm. breakfast, share that whole vision to all of those people. And really, when you think about it, those are the people who are most committed to the church, even True. like a, a level. So you can really talk um, to mm-hmm. those people, have um, you know the breakfast and all that. So I thought that was a really interesting kind of concept that I had never thought about before so any so here's a question i'd like to ask both of you guys how did y'all come to the vision statement what was your process of kind of discovering okay how am i going to to communicate how am i going to phrase how am i going to word this um what was your process of of coming to the place where you had a clarified understanding of your vision josh yeah, I would just say, I mean, like going back to First Corinthians, you know, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, do it all to the glory of glory of Christ there. And so we really felt like that had to be kind of the the driving force of our vision statement. And then uh, just just because of the emphasis that we put on expositional Bible teaching, um, we we kind of came up with that God's word changes lives and just kind of blended them together. You know that uh, you know our vision is to glorify Christ by saying God's word changed lives, and so it was kind of taking what's always been a passion and always been a, an emphasis, you know, and just kind of merging it with a functional, practical element of how that happens, and mm. so kind of 
putting putting those two things together is kind of the genesis story for for ours i guess i'll just be honest with you uh you know six and a half years ago when i'm looking at pastoring for the first time lead pastoring i had been in full-time ministry for 10 plus years but i'd never led a, a church and around that time or a little before that time, i don't remember when it was but Simple Church, um, Rainer's book came out, and there was just something about reading that that just jived with me. I wanted to pastor like this. I didn't see it as the book says. It's not a model, but it's a way of thinking through church. And so that and uh, Nine Marks were sort of so pivotal for me. And so really the simple part of our statement and the Christ community compassion just came straight out of reading Rainer's Simple Church. But what I've seen, the interesting part of it is over the six and a half years of pastoring here, that the relational and deep intentional commitment, the other words that I added there, without really kind of – I was really kind of just making a phrase. I was trying to put all of that into a statement. But what I've seen is that's my personality, and that comes out more and more and more in the personality of the church. And so I didn't mean to, but I've been leading them to be extremely relational. I'm – a very relational person. So I think of everything as relational. And so I have this natural kickback towards programs or events. They're they're not relational enough, even though that's not right. But I feel that way. And then I'm also very disciplined. And I have a lot of disciplines. And so I kind of work these things into everything I do. And so that's how it came about. It's not spiritual or anything like that. And then here recently, I, I started to see the power of actually taking the statement you have. Because... This will be my next follow-up question with you guys, but like, could any state, could you literally, could I just take your statement and apply it to the church? I kind of think you could, uh, as long as they're all grounded in that Great Commission sort of idea. But um, I'm seeing the power of using those and how to work through those. And so we're a couple of days into thinking through this as a staff and things, and I'm seeing a lot of um, kind of good fruit out of that. Josh, you have any thoughts? We've kind of been kicking around. You know what, just uh, kind of, as it, it comes and we're just talking specifically now about like, where did it come from or anything along those lines? Whatever. I mean, like, what yeah. do you think about vision? Well, well, here's the one, here's, I guess a question I would ask is I think sometimes when we talk about vision, we'll throw out what is a vision. And I think a lot of times when I'm talking to young guys, um, they actually start describing more of a, like a strategy, mm. um, you know, and, and I, I do think it's really important to differentiate between, what is a church's vision as opposed to what is its strategy? Because if a, if a young pastor stands up and, you know, he starts calling something a vision, you know, and then just describes strategy, you know, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. Uh, here's when we're going to do something. I have found it kind of in my earlier years of ministry, you can really hit a brick wall there. And, and I honestly think that vision has a lot more to do with answering the the why question than answering the what question or even the how question. I think I think both of these are, are good elements. I think every good vision is going to have elements of strategy. And I, I think every strategy should have, you know, vision attached to it. But I, I think if we confuse the two, um, what will happen is we'll have a, a host of young guys going out there and basically all they're giving is just strategy and then wondering, man, why are we not getting any momentum with it? You know, and I think it's, I think it's a good point to try to, to try to, to look at what is the, what is the difference between the two? I think that's great. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was wrestling with that exact same issue, I actually mm-hmm. called Andrew and talked to this and he helped me clarify kind of that a simple relational church is our vision. That's our mission. That's what we're trying to be. How we do that is the Christ community and compassion. But that first part there 
And I got to tell you, Andrew, when I was explaining this to the staff, being having that conversation with you and doing what Josh is talking about, differentiating those, was so helpful. Letting the staff know this is what we're doing. This is why we exist. This is why we're meeting here and doing this. And so. I think that's a good point. Yeah, that was a good reminder that I need to send you that consulting bill in the mail. <laughs> I think, Josh, that the way I think about it uh, is that vision is the destination, where you're headed, mm-hmm. and strategy is the route. It's how you're going to get there. And strategies can change. Uh, they can fluctuate, and they ought to change, and they ought to be based on circumstances and the leading of the Holy Spirit and the makeup of the congregation at a particular moment and, and all of those types of things. But the vision is where do I see uh, this church mm-hmm. in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, what is God going to use this church to be and do, you know, out there in the future? And then the strategy is, okay, what's the particular route that we take to get there? Mm-hmm. So if it's like Josh's uh, vision, which is we want to, you know, I think you said something like glorify Christ or our vision, which is make disciples. That's mm-hmm. the target. That's the goal. Yeah. We've just defined the win how we do that, I think those are the those are strategies, and those can change, you know, based on 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 timing or circumstances or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the issue you can get into is is when you start calling a strategy a vision, you almost give it a like a deep theological weight that when you have to change your strategy five or ten years down the road, you've already cemented in the minds of your congregation. Wait a second, that wasn't that a vision from God? You know, wasn't mm-hmm. that? You know, this thing that's, you know, kind of always having to be. And so I think even as you stand up and and give the vision like, you know, to develop deeper disciples, like that's never going to change regardless of what your strategy is. But, you know, what program or what campaign you use to accomplish that might change, you know, from year to year. And if if we don't communicate to our church families the difference between the two, it could probably cause some some issues down the road. I really like the word that you just used, campaign. We use the, the uh, we, we've used that phrase from time to time, or uh, initiatives, mm-hmm. or some of those types of phrases, planning. And I do think that you have to have those. I mean, I, I think that I would say that to the person who's listening, if you cast a vision for your church, you better follow up with it, and you better have some action steps, and you better have some strategy, because otherwise, it, the vision state become a vision statement becomes meaningless. Uh, Josh, I was also really impacted by Simple Church, and I think the one thing that was really helpful impactful from that book was the fact that churches have a mission statement and a purpose statement and a vision statement and a value statement. You've got all mm-hmm. these statements that are actually different. And it's like, what are we what are we doing here? It's mm-hmm. so complex. It's not memorable. It doesn't give any kind of direction to anything. And, and, and basically, those statements become meaningless. Mm-hmm. I'm for simple, memorable, uh, re, you know, you can you can reproduce it. And then having some actionable steps or plans or campaigns or initiatives or strategy, whatever you want, whatever word you want to use. And I'm not, I don't think the wording is so important there as what you're doing. And that is, you've got to actually flesh out that vision if it's ever going to happen. Otherwise it's just a meaningless statement. And I think that's where a lot of guys labor over the statement Mm -hmm. and then it never goes beyond that. So you have to have strategy that flows from the vision where you actually plan out, how are we going to make disciples, you know, in this particular context? You've been listening to EST, a conversation about the established church with our hosts, Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We'll be back shortly after a brief message from our sponsors. Hey, this is Josh. I wanted to take a few moments just to talk to you about one of our EST sponsors, Trained Up. As a pastor, you know that you need to train your volunteers. You also know that that is one of the hardest things possible to do. 
trying to get their schedules in order, trying to get everybody to show up, planning and organizing the whole thing can take a lot of your pastoring time away from you. With this resource, Trained Up has not only cut the amount of training meetings in half, it's also significantly increased participation by up to 40%. And that's a win for everybody. Not to mention that Trained Up already has courses built in with just about every ministry area you can think of. So even if you don't know what to cover, they've got you covered. And now for a limited time only, Trained Up is offering a 50% discount on their multi-ministry package for two years. Go to trainedup.org to get started today. Thank you to our sponsors who help further the mission of EST. If you'd like to partner with us and have us spotlight your ministry, go to estchurch.com for more information. Now, let's get back to the show. So if you're listening and you're kind of struggling with all of this, listen to what these two just said because this helped me so much. First, there's a difference between kind of your mission and method. That's the words that that's the way that I explain it. Your mission, what it's going to look like, your method, how you're going to do it. And then it's, but then also don't worry so much about what you call those things. Like I just did there, uh, just have that vision out there and then something like actionable steps that you're going to do. I'll, I'll admit for a long time in my ministry, I'd get frustrated because I'd stand up there and give this rousing message. It wasn't so much a vision message, but the way the text would lean, I'd be like, yeah, this is what we want to do. Go do it. Well, it was like this vision. It was like, literally I looked at three, 400 people and I said, we're going to climb that mountain. Go climb it. And a lot of people didn't know how to climb. A lot of people weren't equipped to climb. A lot of people didn't know the direction. And there's a path over here, and they're just waiting for me to walk up the path, and they'll follow me through with it. And so I think that's important. Um, Ermler, Josh, you said – this is really cool, so I want to kind of circle back to this. August, because of the system or the the flow of your church cycle, you called it, August is the state of the church looking back. January is the vision looking forward. I think that's a that's a question a lot of people have. Is there an optimal time to set aside a Sunday or a group of Sundays to really kind of call people, this is where we're going? What do you think on that, Andrew? Um, I like the August and January idea. What I've done in the past, I, I actually had our vision casting day uh, because I'm fairly new here, and there was a process for how we came to that. But once I knew what the vision was going to be going forward, um, you know, we set a date that I thought worked well. It was like the middle of April. But on an ongoing basis, I think it's a good idea at least once a year. And for me, that has usually been January, you know, at the start of the year to just remind us of what we're doing, remind us of what God has called us to be and do as the church here in this place. I really like the idea of a state of the church address. I've in the past combined those two. So some Sunday in January, usually it's like the third Sunday of January. Um, we'll call it Vision Sunday. And I look back over the previous year and just celebrate some things. And then I I remind everyone of the vision and I talk about here's how that's going to look in the next 12 months. Here's some of the big things we're going to do to flesh out our vision. Mm. But I, I kind of like the idea of breaking that up into two different two different pieces. And, and I really identified what uh, with what Josh was saying about the the calendar and the cycle, we're exactly the same way. It th- seems like things ramp up in August. They start to slow down at the end of May. So I think as particularly as you start the fall semester and spring semester, those are natural times to just kind of regroup. It's kind of like a huddle in my mind. Yeah. It's a family meeting, a, a family church family huddle where we just kind of remind everybody what we're doing, clarify some things, always grounded in scripture, but just Bring, you've got to communicate about your vision. You know, you've got to talk about it. You've got to use that language. And I do think there are moments, you know, whether it's once a year or twice a year, 
to 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 have special emphasis days where you're talking about those things. And I love the idea of the Sunday school hour too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I may steal I may steal that one. I'm not sure this is a great idea, but what we do is um, our what we call our church conference. So we have that three meetings a year that other churches – it was the business meeting when I came. But we do what we call church conference, and every time I – every single time I announce it, I say, so this is the week we're going to do church conference. Come with us. We're going to celebrate what God has done in the last four months. And so that's the time where we tell the whole church – this is what's been going on in the student ministry, and it's real exciting, and this is what's going on in the children's ministry. We like this. These are some great things. And I know a lot of people kind of – they'll smirk and like, ah, oh, yeah, you call it church conference. It's really a business meeting. It's really, really <laughs> not. And so uh, we were doing some planning on the next one coming up, and we actually broke down a birthday party. Birthday parties are celebrations, right? And so at birthday parties, you have food. You have games. You have guests. You have gifts. You have decorations. And then we said, so how do we – how do we think of our church conference that way? We need food. We need games. We need guests. We need gifts. We need decorations. And so three times a year on a Sunday night, we get the whole church together and celebrate this big thing. We also have like a competition. Um, it's This next one coming up is called Bake Boss, and so it's a pie baking competition. And there's all sorts of fun kind of things that go in with it. Um, but now I'm hoping to instill this vision uh, Sunday. I think it's gonna this. It's gonna. It's coming up this week. Maybe it's a selfish reason why I wanted to talk to everybody about this, and so I'm gonna learn a little bit before I do it, and then um, have these three times a year where we where we look back. Um, I think I think that's awesome. You you have just totally taken business meetings to just like a whole nother level. Yeah, that's, that we is do awesome. maybe <laughs> if we meet in the sanctuary for an hour, we'll do ten minutes yeah. of business. The rest is all just celebration. Yeah. We give out awards like in every ministry, the leader gives an award to a volunteer that night and so get the whole family there. We take pictures, you know, all that sort of stuff. I had a question that just kind of escaped me. Any of you have thoughts while I try to remember my question? I think what you guys were saying a moment ago is, you know, the reality is vision vision does leak, you know, right? So whether it's. Whether it's three times a year, uh, whether it's, you know, in January, man, our congregations are so busy. They've got, you know, of course, they've got their careers. They, you know, their kids have sports. There's so much going on in our lives fighting for their attention. And I think because we live in this church world and we are like consumed with reading the simple churches and just absorbed with, you know, everything, you know, church ministry related, we almost forget the fact that the folks in our church have just completely, you know, they... That vision, they 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 forget about it, and it, it leaks. And I think having you know times in the rhythm of our ministry to kind of just you know just remind them of it, I think is really really healthy in the life of a church. Yeah, and I think just following up with that, I think you're exactly right, Josh. You you've got to to remind. But I think one thing that you said is really helpful, and that is just a reminder that as pastors, we are kind of weird in that we, you know, we're wrapped up, and we have even this conversation right here is a is a conversation that most people in the church, you know, just would never have. And so I think we need to be reminded that our vision statements, however we're phrasing those things and communicating those things, they need to be compelling. And I think we need to remind the people of the me and and the we aspects mm-hmm. of our vision. There is a corporate aspect where we together as a body of believers, this is a vision for all of us, but there's also a me aspect and in that, in that I'm asking individuals to embrace this vision and see how their life is a part of it. So it's not just a church corporate or, or body-wide 
vision, mm-hmm. but there's a place for you personally to embrace this and live this out. I mean, with our church vision statement, for instance, a diverse church united to make disciples, that's the big piece of it. That's really the vision. Our strategy, uh, treasuring Jesus in our homes, sharing Jesus with our neighbors, showing compassion in our city, sending disciple makers around the world. There's a we aspect where we're going to do some things church-wide in, those, uh, in, the, in that regard, but there's also a me element where I want me personally and my family to tre- – I want to treasure Jesus in my home. I want to share Jesus with with my neighbors. I want my family to be part of showing compassion in our city. So I'm. I think that it actually could be a vision statement for our family. And I mm-hmm. want to, I want to show how the vision is relevant to not just to the church as an organism, but also to the individual and individual families within the church. Does that make sense? Yeah, we're coming so up against the end of the show here. So I, I've got this this thought that I've been kind of wrestling with. You know, a lot of guys, uh, pastors will stand up, here's the vision, and then the good ones, they'll have that campaign that follows, they'll lead people through that. I think the great ones, what I'm finding out through reading and talking to people, are these people who do these, like, uh, leaks or these teaser meetings before the big meeting. You know, they'll get the, the – so if you're a deacon kind of strong church, you get your deacons together and you get the small group leaders together. You get just a handful of people who are stakeholders, like the really kind of invested people. You get those together and you have this conversation. I knew one guy who would just – he intentionally only met with the choir. He would just go and tell this idea, whatever idea he wanted to get done to the choir because he said – if I tell the choir, everybody will know by the time that I want to have the meeting. So, you know, it's just kind of using those chains of, of, of um, influence and, and reference. How do you guys do that? Do you do that? Do you So, like, uh, let's see, before your January meetings, do y'all yeah. – your big Sunday, do y'all pull some people aside and say, hey, here's what it's, I'm thinking? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. In fact, um, I've got a group of 40 of us that I'm, I'm taking to the coast this Friday, mm-hmm. and uh, th- that's exactly what we're going to do. We're, we're going to share with them what we're going to be talking to the church family about in January. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, as a staff, we've been working through some things since the beginning of the summer. And, and I think one of the reasons for this, yes, is because that, that you want to get that vision out, you know. But the other reason is because human beings tend to go through these predictable stages of like, rejection, tolerance, acceptance. And I think it's a wise thing to give people the opportunity to go through some of that rejection stage before you've just communicated some of the strategy to the whole church. And so by getting to some folks early on and having those one-on-one conversations or those small group conversations, if there is somebody who's kind of a little bit hesitant about it, you can work with them on a smaller basis, you know, rather than just the whole church finding out about some strategy or some methodology mm-hmm. and just having almost this culture of negative momentum happening right away. Now, this will depend on, you know, what strategy or what it is that you're trying to implement, you know, uh, you know, in line with your, your with your vision. But I, I, I do. I think there's just tons and tons of wisdom uh, to using some of the, the methodology that you were just describing. So you're saying that you're taking 40 to the coast. We in Texas mm-hmm. go to the coast all the time. That's a normal okay. statement for us to make around here. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. But Gal- I'm thinking his coast is a little different than Galveston yeah. Island. You think, Andrew, it's like slightly different? Uh, I think slightly. Yeah. We in the pa- Texas Panhandle, we have a lot of beach, just no ocean. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, well, in Josh, Dallas, if I, we don't I have really it, think- we'll build it. 
yeah. yeah, I really like both of what you guys just said about, you know, leaking that vision out to various groups of, you know, key stakeholders you might think about. I think another piece as you're developing vision, don't develop it in a vacuum. And make sure that you're talking with your church, talking with leaders, so that the vision, you know, I think there's a Moses model of vision. Uh, I don't mean that in in a good way. I mean, sometimes a pastor will come in, and it's sort of like he brings the vision down from the mountain, and and the people reject it because it's, they're not a part of it. So I think... Mm -hmm. Having communication on the front end and the back end is really important as you're communicating yeah. vision. That's really good. That's fantastic stuff. So if you're listening, I hope that this is encouraging to you. We all struggle with some of these things. Got two great pastors here, uh, Josh in California, Andrew in West Texas. And so I hope that you were encouraged by that. You know, shoot us a, a tweet good online there if you can put it in 140 characters. We want to hear what is your church's vision. Jump on Twitter at EST Church and let us know what is your vision. We're also on Facebook. Comment right in there. This is our church's vision. I'd love to hear it. We'd love to get that sort of feedback, and we'll catch you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.